Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me today on this 20th of March. Where does the time go? It says, today's the first day of spring. I, somebody just, I didn't even realize that. But let me tell you about my guest today. Her name is Janet Pollock, and she is my, she is, she, we have become very good friends, I just have to tell you. And while I've said her last name is Pollock, she pronounced, she has spelled her last name as P-O-L-E-C-H. She is a photographer. She's a writer, and she serves on the board of directors for the Greater Liverpool Chamber of Commerce in Liverpool, New York. No, she's not coming to us from London. And I just want to welcome you to the show today, Janet. I'm so happy you're joining me. Hi, Marcia. Thank you so much for the invitation. I, I'm, it's great to be here. It, it, it really is because many people know that if they've been following me, and gosh, it's going to be... I mean, I have another anniversary coming up next month where I will have been doing this for eight years. Um, I know. Three years in a studio and then podcasting on Blog Talk Radio was five years, um, the beginning of the last, when was it? This this, this was the beginning of March, March the 5th. So I've had the, and what's so cool about that, Janet, is because when I was in the studio, you could only be on my show if you lived driving distance. And now here we are. You're in a totally different time zone. You're in beautiful (laughs) New York. I'm in Los Angeles. But here's what's so wonderful is that you and I have made a connection. And connections, as you know, is very important to me. And in our case, we have several commonalities. I guess that's how I would say this. And so I thought we could start off by just letting our listeners get to know you. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Uh, yes, we do have a lot in common, which is really great to meet someone it that is. you have things in common with. Um, mm-hmm. Me, I live in upstate New York, which is just out, it's, it's outside of Syracuse, Liverpool. It's a large bedroom community. There's a lot of people around. Um, and I have two adult children who both live in New York State but don't live in the same city as I do or, you know, none of us live in the same cities. But I do see them a few times a year. We make a point to get together, and we do enjoy spending time together. Um, I'm semi-retired, but I'm active in my local business community through the Greater Liverpool Chamber of Commerce. And I work as a freelance photographer and, like you said, a writer here. Um, one of the things we have in common is, unfortunately, uh, my husband died, as yours did. Mine died 10 years ago, and that changed my life dramatically. Um, so after figuring out how to deal with loss and grief, I realized the importance of accepting change in order mm-hmm. to move forward. 
And much of the progress of getting past grief for me was learning to embrace my new freedom and realizing the importance of staying socially connected and serving others. Isn't that the truth? Because, you know, I've, I was given, like you said, I, uh, my, my circumstances about losing Butch was different than your circumstances of losing Hank. And we're going to talk about that too. But I do think that it's, it's very interesting when we do lose a spouse, the put in quotes, now what? You know, now mm-hmm. what? And um, in my case, my husband died instantaneously. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about Hank as well. But when you talk about two of the biggest defining moments in your life and how that impacted you, let's talk about those defining moments in your life and how you were impacted by them. Okay. Um, well, actually, Hank had something to do with both of them. First, okay. um, my first defining defining moment was um, choosing motherhood over a career, and then the second one was his death. Mm-hmm. But um, the first one was. Um, it was a big decision, um, but I never really wanted to have a big career anyways. I was never, like, never was that ambitious to be a big career woman. And, you know, two of the main professions back when I was in college age were, uh, for a woman, were a nurse or a teacher. It was, the, mm-hmm. you know, the most common. And they were uh, not professions that I was interested in going into, um, and the pay was also very low. I mean, I had a part-time job at a finance company before college, and if I would have gone to college to be a teacher at that time, uh, working full-time at the finance company would have paid the same as, uh, you know, as a clerk typist as being a, a teacher. So <laughs> why bother? Right. I, I wanted to study graphic design and computer science. I mean, my parents really wanted me to go to college. I didn't even really want to go to college. I didn't see the point since I didn't want to be a nurse or a teacher. But um, graphic design and computer science were, you know, computer science was kind of new. And graphic design, I was always artistic and taking pictures of things. And I thought it was something I would like to do. But there wasn't really a major back then that combined those two into a college major or a career, really. There's a lot of them now with computer graphics and all that. Boy, you're not Um, kidding. Yeah. You know, isn't it it interesting how how things transpire? I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, you know, like you just said, graphic design wasn't something you even knew about or you heard about or that people made a career in where today, my gosh, of course the, the technology that we have today, but, but you're a hands-on person. And that's one of the things I also admire so much about you because it's not uncommon for you to have a camera around your neck. So let me just ask you as someone that has some photographers in my family, my, my cousin is a surfing photographer and there's two cameras. Oh. People either use Nikons or they use yeah. Canons. So I'm just uh, going to ask you, yeah. you, you're a Canon. Okay. Yeah. And isn't it funny how, and, and you didn't even hesitate. So I, yeah, I know that so you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's interesting. So um, I, I think that, you know, when you said, you know, 
you know, you didn't want to be a nurse or a teacher. It's funny. I, I didn't go to college either. I didn't have any interest in going to college. I knew, honestly, I knew I was going to be a mom. That was my intention. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I got a job mm-hmm. at the local bank and, you know, and then I got a job at, mm-hmm. at the aircraft company and then I met my husband and th- there you have it, you know. So I right. was living the life that I was, was the norm back then. Wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It really was. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Was yours? Mine was until I was in yep. high school. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I uh, I did go to college. I did earn a degree. I, I actually oh, had okay. two majors, computer science and um, art and design. And But I didn't really uh, – computer science was, was um, kind of early then. I, there was a computer mm. lab. Nobody had a laptop yet, you know. <laughs> but um, I didn't want that. I didn't want a desk job. It just wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted, you know. Right. I'm just – I'm more creative-minded. So I, I did. I got a degree in the arts. I moved mm-hmm. to New York City after college. I worked in print production for advertising. So okay. It was, you know, it was creative for me. It was, And I liked being in New York. You know, I liked the energy of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I got married, I moved back to Syracuse. I met my husband shortly after I moved back. And uh, we both wanted children. And uh, I was working full-time in printing sales back here um, when I was expecting my first child. But I knew like going off to work all day and leaving my child with a stranger and hoping for the best wasn't a good plan for me. I mean, every family has to make that decision for themselves depending right. on the circumstances and mm-hmm. what they what lifestyle they want. Um but for me, uh I felt like having to go to work all day and then having to meet the demands of a young child would be really draining and mm-hmm. really an overscheduled lifestyle for me which <laughs> without enough time to rest. I just I'm not really that high energy all the time. Like I don't want to be putting out fires all day long, you know? Right. Right. So, well, how would you say um, the kids have had a major influence in your life? So having kids changed everything. I mean, they they required so much time and attention. Um, they're you know they're new and fresh. It's like molding a lump of clay having a chil- a, a young child to a certain extent because they're just mm-hmm. always learning. They're information sponges, and I wanted to be the one that could help them learn. And teach them, you know, my values, my lifestyle, what I believed in, how how I wanted them to think and um, present to them things, and just being in the now and being present present with that childlike energy. They're just they're very happy often, you know. So it, it was just it was great. It, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. So that's um, you know they really became the main focus of my life. So I'm glad I had the choice. Yeah, not everybody does. And, mm-hmm. you know, for many people, working is required. And so how privileged were we to be able to be those moms that could, I don't know about you, if you were doing the PTA and the Girl Scouts and the Boy Scouts and Little mm-hmm. League and all of those things. I mean, I was that, <laughs> I was that mom. I, were you that mom too? I was, yes. Yes, yes I did a lot of volunteering, yes. Yes, it's great. Staying involved, yeah. Absolutely. And then you also get the benefit of knowing your children's friends, their parents. It's just a beautiful connection, and both of us really appreciate that. So 
Um, why you you had asked well, you wanted me to ask you a question about freedom of choice, and so mm-hmm. why is freedom of choice so important to you? Um, freedom of choice, freedom to choose my own lifestyle. Like I I was just talking about um, mm-hmm. choice of career versus quote unquote stay at home mother. I mean mothers are important, you know. Yeah. And once I had kids, so um, I didn't want my kids' childhood memories to be of someone else's house or some other building. Oh, sure. And I wanted to be with them to help them learn and feel stable and secure. Um, freedom to embrace my feminine power. I mean, I created two new people. I mean, that's that's the greatest thing I've ever done. And I love that. <laughs> you know? I love that. Yes, it's, I, I do. I, I, and you, you know, when you say there's more to life than work, because you, like you said, you did work. What are some of the things that are important to you? Um, well, my freedom has always been important to me—not just freedom of choice, but personal freedom, unscheduled time. I just, yes. you know, part of not wanting that desk job and that career woman lifestyle is not being in charge of my own time. You know, I feel like um, I would be, at, you know, kind of at the whims of whoever else wanted me to be somewhere else. And frankly, after my kids were born, after my first child was born, I didn't feel like I had time to be somewhere else all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, but so unscheduled time is a big thing for me. And as I look back, children live a lifestyle on unscheduled time, you know, at least in the early years. And so do elderly people, and we'll get to that later. I've, I've mm-hmm. Now my work has involved in later life uh, with the elderly, and they're, they're also kind of retired age and um, have a lot of unscheduled time. So that has been kind of a recurring theme in my life, too. Um, but, you know, like being of service and volunteering and just connecting with other people um, is just important. There's more to life than work, and that's, those are things that I like to do. And, and, you know, I understand what you say about unscheduled time. Um, it meant a lot to me to be in the classroom and volunteer. I don't know that my kids honestly always love that. It's like, oh, God, you know, there's mom again. You know, <laughs> honestly, I, I really, I don't know that they love that. Maybe I should probably ask them. You know, when I was in your elementary school, did you wish I wasn't there so much? I, 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 I don't know what their answer would be. I have a feeling I know that my son's answer would be different than my daughter's. Um, <laughs> but that I, I would just say that that's probably true. But, you know, a lot goes on. Education, just being involved in kids' schools, not everybody had the the ability to be that person that could be that PTA person or that that leader in in scouts or or whatever, or you're the one that's driving the carpool to the Little League practice because everybody else is at work. You know, I, I, I can see why when you say unscheduled time allows you to then schedule the time in a way that you choose to schedule it which That's you know right. that, that you know which we could also talk about brings right but it does bring on its own uh, level of um oh my god how do i fit this all in 
but that's true. You yeah. have been, you know, one of the we like I said in the beginning, we have a lot of um similarities and you've been a community volunteer for many years. And mm-hmm. I don't know that it started necessarily with the Chamber of Commerce. So, why did you get started and and how has that expanded? What was your volunteer background? Um, actually, my uh, getting involved with my children, again, um, you know, they've been such a big part of my life. So back when they were in elementary school was um, almost 30 years now. They're both in their 30s this year. Can't, can't uh-huh. believe I'm saying that, but it's true. <laughs> so I started volunteering in the kids' elementary school. Um, you know, the teachers had some pretty big classrooms, um, and so they wanted parents to come in like once a week to volunteer with uh, a table. Like I started out at the art table, and sometimes mm. I'd help them learn how to print or sound out words or math table. And then as they got into uh, more reading, learning how to read, I could take a reading group more of an advanced reading group out in the hallway or something, and they take turns reading their chapter books. And um, it would give the teacher an opportunity to, you know, spend her time with kids that needed more help. So it was interesting. Um, And, you know, I I did start a Girl Scout troop, yeah, for my daughter (laughs) and her friends in elementary Mm -hmm. school. And then um, as they got... A little older I you know I did work part-time but I also had you know free time and I started volunteering for the Meals on Wheels in my community there was an ad in the paper yeah they needed help so I answered the call and that ended up lasting about a decade can you believe it I can because I know people because that while we live in two different sides of the country, um, Meals on Wheels is, is something that we have right here where I live as well. And I know people that are mm-hmm. very involved in Meals on Wheels. That is so important, especially with the pandemic, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, I actually went back. I had stopped about five years ago, but I actually went back the first year of the pandemic because they were in a, a bind for drivers, um, and I had been driving before because I really like, you know, like you, I like to make connections with people. I like to chat with people. So mm-hmm. instead of working in the kitchen, I volunteered to deliver the meals once a week and mm-hmm. got to chat with the people who were the meal recipients. And I I liked it because I've always liked um, elders anyhow. But mm-hmm. during the pandemic, so many of the people that volunteer for Meals on Meals are um, elders themselves, and they right. were afraid of getting COVID, so they stopped mm-hmm. driving. And so they they were really in need of, you know, meal deliverers. So I did it for a good solid year during this, the pandemic. Um, and so I, it was good. It just makes me feel so good. Um, mm-hmm. And the people, they just, they let me know how how much they appreciate me, too. Yeah. I mean, being a mother, you don't always feel appreciated, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Later in life, but not so much while you're, do, while you're in the, the trenches. But besides yeah. Meals on Wheels, were you? I know we're going to talk about your um, experience with the chamber, but were, were there any, any other um, um, uh, community volunteer type things that you were involved in? 
um, not, well, it was mostly other than uh, the elementary school, the Girl Scouts, and the Meals mm-hmm. on Wheels. But, you know, okay. you get to the point where you have to schlep your kids around to their activities and stuff, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, frankly, I didn't have time to do anything more than what you just described during those days. I know for me now, um, not only am I involved in my chamber, I'm also a Rotarian, you know, and that's an international organization that many of us belong. Mm -hmm. I so recommend it. And that's not to say that Lions and Kiwanis are not important philanthropic clubs as well there's not a competition here i just i just know what being a rotarian means but um let's let me ask you um it seems to be that you've been committed and sort of involved in the community for a really for a long time and i thought maybe you could just sort of tell us about what you do in regards to your uh liverpool um Greater Liverpool, let me just say that properly, the Greater Liverpool Chamber of Commerce. Tell me what what that's like for you. Um, The Chamber of Commerce here in Liverpool, New York, is uh, it's a big active chamber. There's about 400 members, and Mm -hmm. it's active. We do a lot of things. Uh, We have a monthly luncheon. There's before and after business hours things. There's special events and fundraisers and different things. So there's really a lot on the schedule, and it's just it's a great way to meet new people. I originally got involved with that uh, about 15 years ago when Mm. I was with the Meals on Wheels. um, Not only as I as I volunteered for the Meals on Wheels. Every week delivering meals, I also got involved with marketing and trying to find, you know, a lot of the meal recipients are shut-ins, so they're kind of hard to find. So I, um, I you know, got a marketing committee together, and we, we tried to uh, create more of an awareness in the community mm-hmm. to find people who needed meals delivered, Um so I got started with the Chamber of Commerce because of that to help us spread the word. And um, then about five years ago, I joined for my, because I started my own photography and design business. And I just wanted to, you know, connect with people. It's, it's nice because with the Chamber of Commerce, I can find new clients who need mm-hmm. business photography done, headshots, products events, um, things like that. Um, and I can also find things that I might need. Um, sure. Uh, resources for businesses that can help me. So it's it's great. And it's just it's a, a win-win, really good, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's a great – and it's all, it, it's local community. So it's, it's right. great to have connections in the local community. You bet it is. You bet it is. But it sounds like you also have this real um, – heartfelt feeling about the elders and and the elderly that has also been one of your focuses how how did you find yourself being drawn to that to that population um it's funny because when i was i think 6 we moved to uh, a new community and one of the earliest memories that i have 
of that time was uh, my mother taking me to visit a, an elderly woman who was a shut-in. She was actually bedridden, as far as I can recall. Mm-hmm. And her name was B. And we would just stand, you know, stand, sit in her bedroom, and while she laid in the bed and chat, see how she was doing and things like that. Um, and I guess it had an impression on me, but I, I yes. always also had a lot of elderly people, elders. I, I, I mm-hmm. like to call them elders, not elderly, because to me, mm-hmm. elderly kind of denotes more of a, a, a condition than an age. Yes. But, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a weakened condition. But yes. um, I, my, both of my parents came from big families. And mm. they had a lot of siblings, and I had a lot of cousins. So there were always older people in my family, too. So I've always been around a lot of older people. I've always enjoyed their stories and stuff. And then uh, after the Meals on, Meals on Wheels, and most of their uh, clientele are older. Um, mm-hmm. And I ended up taking a part-time job um, not long before my husband died, actually, at a nursing home, a long-term care facility, and I worked in activities because I've always been drawn to the elderly. I just, you know, there's, they're, like I said before, they're, um, they're kind of on that unscheduled time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, presence. They're, they don't have to be at a certain place at a certain time. Uh, every day, let's say, like a, a, a job. So, so I worked in activities, which is also known as recreation therapy, in some of the long-term care facilities. And it was a lot of different things. You know, we had card groups, we did exercise, we went out. I drove a wheelchair bus, and we'd go out to the farmers oh, wow. market or to a store or a music concert, a baseball game. I mean, we got hmm. them out and did activities. You know. So uh, we did cooking and different things. Yes. That sounds so, um, um, it's like I said a a little while ago, it's a win-win. Yes, they are definitely um, gathering and gaining from your being there. But when we give, we get. And we don't give to get. And that is a big distinction. I don't give to on my Rotary Club or at my Chamber of Commerce because I want to get something. I want to give, and by giving, you are getting some of that satisfaction, whether it's social, whether it's business, whatever that might be. Um, I think that that's a really great way to live, and I I think it kind of segues me over to Hank because I know Mm -hmm. that Hank died, and you you were only 50 years old. That's 12 years younger than I was. No, that's mm-hmm. not true. No, I was only 59 when my husband died. I can't do the math. I was never good at math. Um, I was only 59 <laughs> when my husband died. But it is life-changing, isn't it? So let's let's talk about that defining moment and how, that, how you were affected by Hank's passing. Oh, okay. Um, uh, he and I were very close. Um, we met shortly after I moved back uh, to Syracuse from my 
job in New York City after college, and he was uh, a total family man. I mean, he, he wanted a family. He wanted to be married. He wanted a family, and we both did. And he was just always with me. We were just always together. We got along really well. And he was never one to, like, go out with the guys after work or anything like Mm -hmm. that. You know, he always came home. Um, So, you know, um, a uh, a year before he died, we thought it was, you know, taken care of. It was a melanoma. And okay. he had it removed, and then he it, it came back the following year, and um, it was already stage four. Uh, oh. It had already spread to some of his organs, even though he felt fine. But he knew that he had uh, like a bump on his head that wasn't going away. Um, uh. That was near near the problem that he had uh, the year before that. So, I mean, I was alone, and I mm-hmm. I will admit I. I'm an honest person. I sometimes mm-hmm. often, not often, but I sometimes wished for being alone in the midst of a family, you know, chaotic day or something. <laughs> it's like, I just want to go live in an apartment by myself. I, I actually said that out loud when I was washing dishes one day and my daughter <laughs> was behind me in the kitchen and I didn't realize it. I was just kind of like Boy. letting off steam. Mm-hmm. And that was about, a you know, sh- a couple of months before we found out he was sick. Um, so it's kind of a be careful what you wish for. Yeah. You know, yeah. The old saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I was alone. Um, I've always been kind of independent, but I sure didn't, you know, ever expect to be alone at the age of 50. I mean, my right. husband was planning on retiring in two years when he was 55 and, you know, he worked for the state, so he'd have a pension and, uh, we could actually have some free time together. He was looking mm-hmm. forward to retiring, um, and it just wasn't meant to be for us. What, uh, right. Yeah. So, you know, for those of us that find ourselves in this sisterhood, and there are certainly men that find themselves in that brotherhood of maybe losing their wife um, and finding themselves alone, I I think what's really important and what I'd really like to spend some time on is how did you bounce back from that sadness of loss and grief? Because I think your message is very important. Well, um, first of all, I was on a leave of absence from my job. I got, I think, a 30-day leave of absence once uh, Hank, Hank started with uh, hospice because mm-hmm. uh, there was nothing else that they could do with him with treatments. And uh, once hospice got involved, he was only uh, he only lasted less than two weeks. But mm. after a few days, once once hospice was involved, suddenly the sick person becomes their patient, um, and their patient can't be left alone ever. So. Mm-hmm. I I took a leave of absence from work and um, I just, once he was gone, I just, I had to just stay busy. Um, But I really wanted to get back to work and my time wasn't up yet. So, um, you know, it was like, you can only 
polish your silver every so often, you know, and it was kind of like, you know, the, um, dinner time, nighttime, late afternoon was kind of the enemy. It was like when he used to come home right. uh, and he wasn't coming home anymore. It was just a very lonely time and I was alone. And um, so staying busy was, you know, something, even if it was just busy work, around the house. I mean, I took my mm-hmm. the glass shelves out of my refrigerator and washed them in hot soapy water, you know, it's oh. <laughs> stuff you don't normally do. Right. And <laughs> isn't it funny? To do. Oh, Janet, what's so funny is that hearing you just say that, and it's been, it's been 10 years. Is that right? Since he, since he yeah. passed. Yeah. And just hearing you say that I could feel in your voice, I can remember like that, like that was only yesterday, right? And when was the last yeah. time you talked about cleaning the shelves in your refrigerator to somebody? But yeah, it's, it's, inter- it's, it's really interesting how what would sound like, and I'm putting this in quote, insignificant things generate memories, whether it's been two years, four years, five years, whether it was illness or or instantaneous, whatever that might have been for your particular story. Um, it's interesting the road that we all find ourselves on. Were you already at that time, did you have a pretty good social network like with your lady friends at all? Um, you know, I made some new friendships through Meals on Wheels because it was kind of a coffee clack with with us drivers who were just waiting for the meals to get ready to go out in the morning. So I did make some actual friends that, that I still have today. Oh, wonderful. Um, yeah, I mean, my friends, I, I still had friends that I grew up with and friends that I knew, like, through my kids and stuff. But, you know, people are busy. But, I, you know, what I did was, yeah, staying connected with others in my community. In fact, there was a gal that I met through Meals on Wheels. It wasn't that much older than me. And she had lost a brother in a car accident several oh. years before. And so she kind of knew what it was like, you know. I mean, her husband was still alive, but that's a personal loss. That's a close mm-hmm. personal loss. So, And her kids were grown and out. So I would call her once in a while just to chat, even though I saw her every Friday. And she was always willing to talk. And it was usually around that time of the day where at dinner time or just before, just after, when it was the loneliest time for me. And Mm -hmm. she would, you know, she would just distract me. And just she was a good storyteller anyway. So I, I just, she really helped me. Um, just talk for 45 minutes or an hour. And then just I, I searched out new groups. Um, someone told me about meetup.com. Mm-hmm. And I joined like hiking groups and meditation yep. groups and social groups. And the meditation groups, I, I really uh, got a great benefit from. And I would uh, meet once a week or once every two weeks with a couple of different groups. And that really helped me change um, the meditation. And you know what else um, helped me change a lot was um, inspirational quotes. Um, oh, God. Do you know about Pinterest? 
a social media yes, uh-huh. platform, Pinterest. Mm-hmm. It's I also do. kind of a search engine. And you can mm-hmm. make your own boards. And so inspirational quotes were a pretty big thing a few years ago. And so I, I made my own Pinterest board with inspirational quotes that I found on Pinterest. So I had a collection of probably 100 or 200. And, wow. you know, that that helped me feel so much better reading those. I, it, they just helped me feel so uplifted. Um, you know, so I had them on a board and I could just reread yeah. them. You know, it's so interesting. I really don't recall how you and I became connected. I, I, there, there's got to be a place. Maybe it was LinkedIn. I don't know. Cause, Twitter. Yeah. But, but, I mean, I follow you on Twitter, and I would just tell people, man, I, I've, got, I've got one of those inspirationals right in front of me as we speak, and this is what it says. Like a seed beneath the soil, we have the potential for growth already within us. That could make me cry. (laughs) I think that what you post on Twitter every day is so inspiring. And I know that people have their own methods. I also believe in meditation. I also do yoga. I also have a routine. My husband was an engineer. We lived a Mm -hmm. life of routine My father was Mm -hmm. in the military. We lived a life of routine. It was 5.30, that's when you ate. It's like, what Mm -hmm. are you talking about? Well, it's 5.30, it's dinner time. That's how I was raised. You know, your your socks went in the drawer properly because that's what he learned in the military. Um, Mm -hmm. It's funny because um, Butch was from Detroit and, um, and didn't stay in Detroit when he graduated from college and came out to the um, West Coast, and that's where we met. We met in the same apartment building that we were both living in. But his parents, his parents were, were they worked, they were blue-collar factory union people, but they were solid. And so he was, my parents were not college people either, but um, he loved to cook. And mm. so once the kids were off to college, and they were my kids are three years apart in graduating high school. Um, we remodeled our entire kitchen to accommodate his Viking stove. The food network was had just kicked off the ground, and so he became the master chef, and I was really good at setting the table and oh, wow. washing Bless the dishes. You, you know, but. I mean, so don't ask me what I eat today because that would be for another podcast because that would not <laughs> that's it, yeah. not inspiring. <laughs> but you know, um, when we think about our our, our spouses, I, I'd like to know because you use some words. I I just I just love the choice of words that you use. I think that that's what so connected me to you. So, what are some of the main influences that helped you to learn resilience? And moving forward, because you had to become resilient, didn't you? Yes. It's either change or, you know, feel bad for the rest of mm-hmm. your life. <laughs> mm-hmm. So first of all, I, uh, you know, I realized that I didn't like feeling bad all the time or being alone. And I, I really... Sometimes I would go out in my garage and just scream. If I was, if I had cried enough, 
you know, in the mm-hmm. early day, days and weeks after he died, mm-hmm. I would scream and I would feel better. I, it just yeah. was a release, you know? Yes. So crying, screaming, visiting the graves, which is close to my house. So it's, it's only Minus five miles two. from my house. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And I still do that. But, um, you know, finding a new life for myself beyond the safety net of my marriage was, um, <laughs> that was a challenge. But, you know, um, staying connected. You know what? You know Oprah. Everybody knows who Oprah is. Yep. And she she's not for everybody, but she has been a great influence on my life uh, as a spiritual seeker. Um, she's a very spiritual person, and she has this TV show called Super Soul Sunday. And she interviews all these spiritual authors and leaders, and I, start, you know, I watched that, and I got so much out of it. It was just so uplifting, and mm-hmm. you know, really soulful and truthful, and you know, thinking beyond what so much uh, of the noises in our lives and, you know, just soul-searching kind of things and what people have learned about themselves and life and all this. And it's my kind of a show, really. I'm really Mm -hmm. interested in that type of stuff. So I started reading the books of the guests that she had on that they had wrote, and it helped me so much. And that's one of the reasons why I got into uh, meditation groups, too, uh, on Meetup, like Deepak Chopra. I was just, I knew you were going to say that. I could feel you Deepak, were going to say that. He was that. the first one. Yeah, she had mm-hmm. him on a lot. And he's so wise. And then mm-hmm. Nhat Han, a uh, Buddhist monk, he just died yep. last year. He was about mm-hmm. 95. Mm-hmm. He taught me so much. I, he was so helpful uh, for me for in a meditation group. And we did walking meditation every Friday. We would listen to one of his uh, presentations. And it takes a little while to get used to his speech because he is from a foreign country. Um, But he's so wise. And he just, I learned about acceptance and mindfulness. He's the real mindfulness guy. Uh, And impermanence and transformation, the impermanence of things and how you have to accept what is and wow. be mindful and present. Yeah, it, that is so helpful. I mean, it's really simple. Yeah, I never yep. thought of that, but that's a that's a very that's a very interesting definition, isn't it? You know, I yeah. neither one of our husbands would want us to just roll over and not live life. That that goes without saying. And I'm just so impressed. I want to direct people to your website because I love your website and it's called and it's all one word inspired prince with that the prince has a plural dot net and all it's, it's right. I will make sure that it's on the blog so that people can come and visit and see just what it is that you're doing because um, as you mentioned you really do love photography but you write beautifully too and i just think that what you're doing in your life is so interesting and so inspiring because you are not only an excellent photographer you are an excellent writer 
And if people are looking, you, you were saying how you would get some um, spiritual feelings. Why is my hand over my heart? Um, when you uh, would listen to Oprah's show, people are getting that from you too, Janet. Oh, people wow. are getting that from you. Because we needed to make a change in our lives. I didn't make the same change that you made. I've, I, like you, though, I mean, I've actually lived where I am currently living in my actual home since 1973. I was born and raised in the community that I live in. My kids mm-hmm. went to the same high school that I went to. Mm-hmm. Me too. And it's like, you know, it's uh, now what, in my case, because Butch's passing was so sudden and unexpected, you know, there was no prepare, there was no way to prepare no. for that, none. Oh. But, you know, somebody said something very wise to me, and I don't know if you can relate to this or not, because it's been a while now since Hank passed. And that was, they said to me, if you make your spouse, let's say your husband or your wife, your everything, and you used to hear that a lot, oh, he's my everything, she's my everything, mm-hmm. and then that spouse passes, what does that leave you with, nothing? Right. Are you nothing without your everything? So I think it's really mm-hmm. important for people to recognize that we are also ourselves we are janet we are marcia and the road that you took and the road that i took wasn't the same first of all i was you know i was a few years older than you almost a decade older than you my kids were obviously that much older than yours as well and it's like now what and i Mm. thought well what am i going to do who do I know? I, you've lived here forever. You used to work up at the Y. Go back and work out at the Y again. Ask me how that's working out. But I did mm-hmm. in the beginning. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, you know, I think that it's really important. So in your case, when you started this business of yours, I mean, what, what prompted that to just happen? That didn't just happen out of the blue, did it? No, um, you know, it, it was because um, the inspirational quotes had helped me so much <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that when I first started uh, my photography business um, five years ago, six now, um, I started making wall decor out of my photographs. You know, I would right. take mostly landscape or city, you know, urban cityscape, uh, botanical, and then put a an inspirational quote on some of them and sell them on, as wall decor. Um, so because it, you know, I thought it could help people with their offices mm-hmm. or whatever, if they needed a calming thing or something to, you know, focus on for a little bit that might help, help their mindset. Um, but then with the pandemic hit, um, there were so many opportunities that were lost when things closed and, some things never reopened, but a lot of things were canceled and things. So I, I really, uh, I've taken those off my website, but I still have um, greeting cards. Um, right. And I've, I've really narrowed down. I don't have as many categories of them anymore. I have mostly for um, 
oh, sympathy and support. I started a line a couple years ago of uh, LGBT plus Mm -hmm. themes. Um, And I even, during the first year of COVID, I even had a contest for some young people in in an LGBT uh, community here um, doing, uh, create a new card. Um, and I gave them $50 to the winning one. They were young, young, you know, they were uh-huh. young teenagers. So, um, that one's on there. I have maybe four different ones. Uh, I'm not a member of that community myself, but I feel like it's an underserved mm-hmm. community in the greeting mm-hmm. card market and they are people that do need support. So, um, I would agree with you. Yeah, so, um, I want, I yeah, wanted, um, you know, I've, I keep going back to Twitter. I don't know why, but I just want people to actually know what your Twitter is because it's not your name. So your Twitter is at R-I-V-G-A-L, like Rivgal, 95. And when people go, and and I mean, and you're on on Facebook and you're on LinkedIn. I mean, we're, you know, you have your website Mm -hmm. that people can visit. So Mm -hmm. those are all things. But... For me, uh, you know, it's sort of like I, I have a very close friend that posts every single, every single morning. His name is Russell Buschetto, and he posts every single morning on Facebook. And it's, it's an inspiration. It's, it's my form of meditation. It's my form of mm. refocusing. It's my form of just, oh, just taking that deep breath that we all need to do to just refocus we all have issues that, that happen that are sometimes beyond our control. I mean, just the technical world right now is just, just driving me cuckoo. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I'm getting past it because what else am I supposed to do? But you have, you've, you are writing um, some transformational nonfiction to help people dealing with their loss and their grief. Um, are you hoping mm-hmm. to get that published sometime soon? Well, uh, yes, I'm still working on new new ones. I have a lot written. Um, I'm writing essays and blogs for now, and they're they're being published locally, uh, monthly through uh, senior website, uh, senior citizen website, uh, mm-hmm. and one for grievers occasionally. Um, and I I did get a guest column once or twice put into one of our local papers about. Uh, Senior citizens, and, um, and I've, I've decided I'm going to gather them into a book format, like gather some essays into a book format, just to help people see how I um, kind of transition, progressed um, through loss and grief, and you know, you can be happy again. You don't have to be yeah. depressed and stuck stuck in grief. You can. Um, there is a, you know, there are things, I, I won't say there is a specific process that I followed, but there, there are things that I can, that I did, um, that help, I think could help other people if they knew, like, like we're just what we've been talking about, um, inspirational quotes and spiritual seeking and meditation, mindfulness, all that stuff staying connected to the community and just meeting new people get you know not not sitting home um saying yes to opportunities invitations you know um and just letting you know feeling 
feeling your grief uh, first and foremost, and that that kind of releases it, and it it's, it actually has a healing effect to actually mm-hmm. feel it instead of trying to stuff it down and keep it hidden. If it gets out, it's it can dissipate. Um, that's what I found anyway. And just take care of myself. Um, you know, I I need I'm someone who needs downtime. I don't I don't like to be you know, constantly going all the time. Mm-hmm. I think there's, uh, you know, rest and sleep are important, exercise and, you know, gratitude and appreciation for yeah. things that are, are in your life. I mean, you can't just dwell on what you've lost because that's mm-hmm. in the past and you can't get it back. And you have memories and there are good memories and there mm-hmm. are, triggers of memories like mm-hmm. um you know sometime my my husband bought himself a convertible the year before he died because he always wanted one and he knew he was sick so you know i still see occasionally a car that looks just like that and it just takes me right back to that uh that time and you know so i'm telling you i i have to interrupt you here so when this tall skinny guy left Detroit, and his mom worked for Ford and his dad worked for Chrysler, and I might have that in reverse. You know, we're talking we're talking a motor city here, right? What mm-hmm. did my husband do? He bought himself a yellow convertible MGC 1969 oh, wow. and drove oh, wow. it to Los Angeles. Nice. I would watch him pull his car into the driveway area behind our apartment building, and I would go, who's that tall, skinny guy in that convertible? You know, and here you are (laughs) just talking about a convertible. I just, I don't know, the crossovers are pretty remarkable. Yes, Um, one more thing we have in common. It it is, and, (laughs) you know, I, I think that, do you feel that as a society we need to just become a little bit more comfortable with aging and the inevitable death? I, I do, I do. Um, uh, you know, I, I I took writing class. I've been taking writing classes over the last several years to get these uh, these transformational nonfiction yeah. essays gathered into a book, but. Uh-huh. Um, since everybody's aging, I feel like we're gonna. Ha- I'm gonna have a pretty big market for a book about <laughs> loss and grief with all the baby boomers and how many millions and how old they're getting now. You know, right? Um, but yeah, I've worked. I was a volunteer at Meals on Meals for ten years. The, delivered meals every week. You know, I was face to face with the meal recipients. I got to chat yeah. with them, and that, like I said, I like the connection. So many of them told me they didn't want to live anymore. And it was so sad to hear that. I mean, some of them just miss their spouse so much or they're debilitated in some way. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. people that get meals, they get meals delivered for a reason. It's because they can't get out and get their own food. So they're a little bit, um, you know, have something that um, they're living with that they don't want to. But it was, I found that it was usually around the age of 83 or so, uh, generally, people would start talking like that. So I just, I re, and then I, I worked in the long-term care facility, you know, and activities. Mm-hmm. And people, 
there are people in there that are in their late 90s. Not just one right. or two. People aren't just living to 90 anymore. They're living into their late 90s. And then, Isn't that uh, remarkable? In years, it's, <laughs> i got to tell you, I don't want to live that long. <laughs> well, you, really know, you know, that's so – I don't either. I'm going to say, and I really wondered if you took a survey of a bunch of people, maybe they would say, well, I wouldn't mind living into my 90s if my health was in order. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. and I, I mean, unfortunately, we don't live in a time right now. I I hope that it happens. We, We may not be alive to see that happen. But last week when I was having my guest talking about, um, Caregiver. She's a proactive caregiver, and she works with people that family members have dementia. I hope I hope that that someday comes where, if you choose, certainly isn't a requirement because it is a choice. If you find mm-hmm. yourself as that 95-year-old in a dementia center, where you are truly just a physical body. You're not talking. You're not walking. You're not. You're not communicating in any form. I hope mm-hmm. that there will be a time when we will be able to say, out of the kindness of the family members, by the choice mm-hmm. of the older person, please let me go. Yes. Just let me I go. I did hear that. I I listened to that podcast. That was yes. Last, that was last week. week. And you know, um, Janet, yeah. what, what's interesting is in California, we actually do have death and dignity. We actually have that as a legal way of saying, I've had it. I've loved you. Yeah. I, it's time for me to go. And yes. that person has to be able to administer that make med- medication that allows them to leave. I hope we see that mm-hmm. someday because, yeah. you know, we just we don't know we don't know what's in store for us. But on a lighter note, on a on, on a much lighter note, because I think this is pretty exciting. Before we say goodbye, you have some pretty exciting things happening really soon, don't you? Tell us about uh, Lefty Lucy. Oh, Lefty Lucy is a <laughs> book that I started writing. She's a uh, the main character of a book that I started writing last year at a writing class. Um, and she is a left-handed girl in a right-handed world. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing uh, about stories about her. She's a, a nine-year-old fourth grader. Mm-hmm. And the uh, interesting problems and problem-solving that she encounters when, uh, you know, being left-handed when most most everybody else is right-handed. So, and it, it's a I'm planning a series of three books. I'm still working on the first one. Writing takes longer than I expected yes, to. But. Really? Wow. Um, so, yeah, different, it, and it's fun. So I've already got, like, a local librarian um, that said, oh, we're going to start our uh, in-person group readings for kids probably in the fall. So if you have your books on, Wonderful. We'll set you up. And yeah, another librarian locally said, "Oh yeah, we're uh, we're always looking for new books, so let me know when you get your book done." So that that gives me an incentive to get it done. But it's fun. You bet it's, it does. It's, it's not the death scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta ask you: Are you a lefty? 
I'm not. No, so I have to interview people who are to wow. get, you know, get ideas for what the big problems are. So. That's so interesting. My brother's a lefty. My brother's oh. also taught, he taught art. My brother is absolutely, what is that? That's left brain, artistic. And, and mm-hmm. oftentimes you, you, you find that people that are very artistic have, are also left-handed. left-handed. I don't know if you ever, yes, if you ever knew that. that. Creative. Yeah. I did. Yeah, they're, they're, people tell me that all the time. Yeah. No? That's so, it's so interesting. Well, yeah. I can just say this. It's too bad you live so far away because we could meet I know. for dinner tonight. But um, that won't work because it will, it'll be the middle of the night before I would get there. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but you could come here. We'd, we'd pick up three hours. Um, but I just, I, I, seriously, um, I think that just like you have found what you love doing and you do it well, I love what I do as well. And it gives us purpose, doesn't it? Doesn't it just give us purpose yes. to say, yes. I, and, and, and then you know what? We don't even realize the, the sidebar of that, which is somebody else may be watching you or watching me or knowing us perhaps would be a better way of saying that and saying, wow, that's pretty amazing what she does. I wonder if I could do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. It's kind of the what ifs. We don't want to live, live there. But I would mm-hmm. just say that, you know, by doing the life, by living the life that you are living, you are honoring not only your husband, but you are honoring yourself. And I think that that is very important. Mm-hmm. I appreciate really, you saying that. I, I agree. It, it's true. Thank you. We, we can't expect people to love us. And that was the one lesson I learned from my mother. You can't expect anybody to love you if you don't love yourself. And, you know, wow. she wasn't profound. She was not profound. But that has never left me. And I think that that is an important lesson in life. And while, you know, technology can sometimes get in our ways, and God knows I've had enough of that recently, that doesn't mean we can't be persistent. It doesn't mean we can't move forward because we you and I, we will find a way. We will. Mm-hmm. So thank you for, for being a guest on my podcast today, Janet. It was really nice. I will make sure that people will be able to see the um, podcast once I have posted this across our social media. Remember that Janet spells her name P-O-L-E-C-H. So if you want to just look her up while you're waiting to see what's going on, you can find her in Inspired Prince, just like I mentioned earlier. But now I'm going to let you walk the dog. Do you have a dog? No, I don't. Okay, well, then you don't have to go walk your dog. Don't walk your dog, but but maybe go get yourself something to drink. And I will get on with my afternoon as well. Are you sitting in snow as we speak? Uh, it's melting. There's there's a light ground cover. A lot of it has melted over the last couple of days. Uh, it's spring, okay. so it'll be gone soon. But I appreciate you, you having me on. It was well, great talking to you, Marcia. You as well, Janet. So have a lovely day. Everybody, you go out there. Just think about what influence you may have on the next person you come in contact. It could really just be somebody standing behind you in the market. Just smile. 
just wish them a mm-hmm. happy day. All right, everybody. I'm going to go. Thanks again for joining me today. Bye-bye. Thanks.